Hey there, and welcome to Sales Unbound, brought to you by Sales Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we talk with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business a success. And today with me is Stefan Smolders, co-founder of Expandi.io. It is one of the most powerful omni-channel solutions for all your outbound challenges on LinkedIn and email. They bootstrapped to $7 million ARR in just about two years. Uh, they have over 14,000 customers and now are one of the most rapidly growing SaaS companies out there, which is a pretty incredible story. So Stefan, welcome. And it would be amazing to hear it. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for the, for the, for the great introduction. Uh, can you repeat it again? It sounds <laughs> cool if you pronounce it so fast. So uh, yeah, that's indeed uh, me. <laughs> Thanks okay. for having me. Well, thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, let's start with you as a founder of Expandy. I know that uh, it came out of your personal pain you were having in your previous business. So uh, how did you decide to, to go to LinkedIn and uh, automate this uh, solution? Yeah it, uh, yeah, it looks like if you, if you say two and a half years uh, to seven million, it looks like an overnight success, but... Uh... Right. I can tell fully transparently that it uh, took me 10 years of failures before. Uh, and during my journey, I uh, have a background as a growth marketer. I was always triggered by uh, how many people visited the website and what's the percentage of people who convert towards a contact moment. And at some point, I think we're talking now about six years ago, I decided to build an um, IP tracking software, similar like Albacross Lead Feeder, Lead Forensics. Uh, long story short, we pushed it with the traditional marketing to us, I think, a, a thousand subscriptions, uh, somewhere around that. And people always came back. They uh, were always fighting and challenging what's actually the best way to follow up on these people. And some of them, they pick up the phone, they call to the reception. Hey, Anna, it's Stefan here. I saw that maybe per accident, some of your colleagues visited my website. Can you please forward me to them? I have really no clue what you're talking about, Stefan. Um, and then it ends up, they blame me that the software is not working. And at some point that triggered me actually to uh, to find ways to do acquisition on a much more modern way. And so let's say five years ago, I jumped on LinkedIn as a newbie. I never, ever used it for commercial purposes. Um, but after a couple of months with experimenting and grinding and hustling and trying uh, a lot of playbooks, it became my number one lead channel. So I took advantage of the learnings I did and I thought, let's start sort of a done-for-you agency to manage the LinkedIn account from C-level decision makers and help them get uh, outbound results on LinkedIn. Only after managing five customers um, and two left hands and one Excel sheet, it became quite challenging in uh, monitoring all these things. So. I thought at that time point, let's be clever and try to search for some automations with, which could at least um, automate some repetitive tasks. So that's what I did. I stepped in a whole new world, not, not even aware about what's LinkedIn automation, how it works, what's the pros, what's the cons, but I found a lot of tools um, which were mainly Chrome extended at that time point. And I tested out all of them, bunches. They had all one thing in common, that's, that they were not that comfortable uh, and convenient to manage more profiles. It worked perfectly fine if I need to do one automation with, on one profile, uh, but as a growth marketer and uh, uh, with a, a growing service, I 
I always want to do split tests. I want to do A-B tests. I want to run multiple campaigns. So actually I needed to set up a lot of VPNs uh, to keep all these things running. And then at some point, if my wife was calling me for dinner, I needed to turn off everything and all these automation stops. And it was so boring and it's so annoying that um, at some point out of frustration, I actually shared everything with my, uh, my, my technical co-founder, Glenn. And he just told me with five LinkedIn connections, let's build the thing ourselves. We make it real safest tool if that's the most uh, important requirement. And we built in all the features you need from agency perspective to manage seamless more profiles in the cloud. And that idea actually was born. And I think we made our first GitHub registration on February 2019. So that's uh, that's a bit of the background, how we came up to the ID. And uh, yeah, this is where we are right now. We launched it mid, mid-November 2019 when we plugged in our Stripe. And um, yeah, seven million later, we are here. <laughs> we are here, yeah. So uh, one cold dinner pushed you over the edge. <laughs> Something um, like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's very interesting. But just by the the way you're talking about, because because you said we built uh, this first tool. Uh, do you have some technical background, or by by we built it, you you mean with your CTO? Yeah, 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 indeed. Uh, my uh, my CTO and co-founder, he's kind of the whisket and the magician from the both of us, as, at least on the technical side. And he uh, t- yeah, took the lead in the development part. Right. Well, and obviously, I mean, you're right. Uh, it, it looks like an overnight success. Uh, even two years is nothing in, in the business world. So let's fast forward, right? Uh, let, let's put those six years as a legacy, <laughs> but <laughs> let, let's hold them there. Let, let's talk about the actual stuff that you were doing because that's very fast growth. How did you, uh, how did you get to it? How did you push the product? I understand that you are very active. You're growing your personal brand. I've seen a bunch <coughs> of, of your podcasts before. So what do you think is the biggest marketing success for Expanding? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the most asked question uh, from people I receive constantly. And I talk about it uh, a lot of times, of course. And if we break it down, it's it's actually quite simple. Let me give you a bit of a more background. Uh, when I jumped into this uh, this industry and this particular niche, it was kind of a gray area. It, not illegal, not forbidden by law, but somehow at that time point, it was if you just look at black and white against LinkedIn's terms and policy to automate uh, party ads on the platform. So um a couple of these chrome extensions which i was leveraging myself as i just mentioned they were uh, cracked down by linkedin catched somehow um and that created kind of a buzz that safety became quite important everybody wanted to use these tools especially all our us friends as they want to do things faster they uh, more efficient want to make more money so they all want to use these kind of tools but nobody wants to get in problems with linkedin and the bus was so huge that it looked like at that time point if hundreds of thousands of people lost their LinkedIn profiles due to using these tools. So I thought, uh, actually, safety is the most important thing for everyone. So let's just pronounce Expandia's real safest tool out there, no matter what. So that's what I started to do since day one. And in the first couple of months, I uh, was begging each and every night that things did not fall apart in the back end and that we keep running all these things, but at some point, people start believing you. If you keep pronouncing it, and if you all do a lot 
to secure that things are safe with an intelligent architecture and cloud-based and dedicated IP. That was at that time point, we were one of the frontiers in this niche to, to leverage it that way. And aside of that, it was also quite hard to get in touch with all these providers. And I mean with that, if I'm a single user and I want to use such kind of a third-party apps, I pull in my credit card. And the only requirement I have is that it needs to work, right? But if I manage 10 profiles or maybe 50 or, or, or 80 at, at, at some point, then I actually want to know with who I'm doing business. I want to know more insights about what direction LinkedIn is going. Can you help me on building uh, some custom features? Uh, 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 can you share with me the best performing growth hacks? All these kind of things. And it was quite hard to get in touch with these providers as everyone was hiding themselves sort of for LinkedIn. Maybe they were all scared that Bill Gates should come there and spank all of them. <laughs> and I thought, if he really wants to catch me, he, he will find me anyway. He has all the resources available there. So it makes totally no sense. So let's manage this company with me as a face of the brand to give people the trust that we are indeed everything to be a safe solution and um, to be available, to be there if people need it. That's actually the second thing I did. And I had more than 700 demos myself in the first four months after launching Expandi, just to oh, gather wow. a lot of information. Why are people considering us uh, in, or comparing us against all the established names at that time point? Uh, and I could gather a lot of information to uh, pull out some nice market, marketing strategies later on. Uh, so that was actually the second uh, thing we did. And aside of that, all these websites were kind of a crappy at that time point, And they were only pronouncing on their sites with, with huge headlines, 10x here if you use our tool, 10x there if you use our tool. And nobody was actually rocking the talk. How do you get these 10x results? What you need to do? What playbooks you need to use? What strategy you need to leverage? So I started with my own team to leverage our own tool and we use it as a power users and we designed kind of out of the box strategies, which were not used by the average user on LinkedIn. Um, and the most successful one, we took them apart, broke them down into playbooks with the how, the why, the templates, the tricks, how we connected the dots, the results, screenshots, proofs, everything in it, how you can get 40 appointments by leveraging that strategy. And we started, heavily on distribution. In the beginning, we did not even have the money, not even one single penny to do a paid marketing or a, a traditional advertisement. So it was all manually distribution. They were not SEO optimized as we did not have the knowledge in the team, but we distributed it like it posts on my LinkedIn profile. And we used kind of a tricks with an engagement pot to create a huge awareness. It was in the early days of these engagement pots. And sometimes we, uh, we reached 160, 200K views, thousands of people who commented on my posts. And then we could easily scrape them with a cool feature we've built in, wrote a new guide out of it. So that, that's a bit of what we did. We found Facebook groups where growth marketers, growth hackers, but also agency owners, uh, we're, we're coming together and at these kind of a places, we build out a trust. Uh, we shared all these valuable tactics. People started to use them. They got the results. They trust us even more. So that's, if I break everything down, these three things combined, pronouncing ourselves as real safest tool, always be reachable, visible, 
we gave the company a face that it's, it's just a normal company. We are not scared for LinkedIn. And aside of that, we provided people with the best tactics, growth strategies. And that took us off really, really fast uh, with only sort of these three things. We, we, within six months, we reached a 1 million uh, run rate. Wow. Okay. So that's fast. So, uh, adding value, uh, talking to your customers and then educating them on how they could leverage your tool for, for exactly. their success. That's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I absolutely adore, uh, the way founders talk about their scrappy years, uh, because that's, yeah, that's what takes off usually. And uh, that, that's how you, you understand what will be your main um, acquisition strategy or, or channel. So, okay, we got the first users, we got the, um, the money coming in. How do you work on retention? So they, they got to use your product. Um, what are you doing next? Like, uh, do you have maybe customer support or what are you relying on to make sure that customers stay with you? Yeah. The first things we did indeed is, uh, in the beginning, we were all wearing ourselves multiple hats and we're running in the background support, uh, doing customer success, uh, trying to retrieve new customers, distributing all these pieces of content. Um, but when we gained some money, we, yeah, we, we were able to extend the team. And uh, we started with some part-time uh, colleagues in the Netherlands to cover port as kind of a side uh, a, a job, uh, a side uh, their uh, school or, or, or uni universities. Um, so that's how we covered support in the uh, beginning. Um, we built out the funnels. Uh, we went double down on uh, cooperating with an experienced SEO uh, agency as all the articles and all the guides, all the eBooks we designed, they were not SEO optimized and they helped us to, uh, to rank better, to put a lot of effort in, in, in a better distribution and uh, to do uh, building backlinks and authority. Um, and that gained actually more inbound leads for us, uh, which is up until today by far our best performing channel. Um, we actually just started with building out an outbound function. So actually most uh, revenue we gain from inbound uh, opportunities and uh, we funnel them and to give them um, a better onboarding, we decided to host a couple times per week, uh, group sessions. So actually hmm. all new users who signed up between Monday and Wednesday, for example, we gave them an opportunity to join in a convenient time on Wednesday, a live session where we explained what the tool was. And uh, at that time point, it was also not that complex, not that many features. So people just needed to leverage a couple of tactics and then they could take off and get a great result. Uh, and comparing to now, it's it's way more difficult as the tool is so complex that sometimes it's, it's even difficult for yourself if you're not working on a daily basis with it to explain people how to use it. And then you really need the experts in the team to do that. At some point, we also found out that it was not cost efficient to do one-on-one -on -one webinars. So therefore we moved to these group sessions. Uh, then we found out that some bigger uh, opportunities, they wanted to have a one-on-one -on -one call. So we built out an agency funnel that these people could have a one-on-one -on -one call with somebody who was uh, quite experienced uh, about uh, in onboarding these agencies. So we experimented and we thought it a lot with different setups and settings on, on, on how to do that. Uh, in the beginning, we only covered, for example, uh, on the support side in time zones, 
but uh, more than 30% of our customers are coming from the States. So it sometimes it became quite hard. Uh, or if there were bugs or uh, we were out of the air for a couple of hours due to some technical difficulties, then uh, these people all went crazy. Um, and then at some point I realized if we received thousands of tickets in a couple of hours from different kinds of people, how actually it hurted me from the customer success side. Yeah. My my heart really hurts. But on the other hand, if I did a step back and I analyzed what's actually going on, then I thought these people, they really can't miss this software. They really need it because they make so fucking much money with it that it's it's every hour is a lost hour for them. So yeah, then I actually realized we really have built an a must to have software instead of maybe a nice to have as we had with our previous uh IP tracking software. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh so as far as I understand, you added this a service part to the product just to make sure you satisfy maybe bigger bigger clients and offer um one-on-one -on -one onboardings or maybe something more to them. Um, yeah, but what we also experiment a lot with was hosting live uh, live webinars where we did a co-webinar with an industry expert about a certain topic, for example, sniper targeting or how to get 1,000 attendees towards your upcoming event and how you can leverage that for yourself uh, to uh, help people learn a specific strategy to yeah, leverage LinkedIn uh, the best way possible. Um, so that's what we, what, what we did a lot and we plan to, uh, to rebuild that function out again um, as that brought us constantly a lot of leads. But for example, in the beginning, we were housing it. We were gaining a lot of traffic, a lot of attendees, and uh, we did not have sort of an, uh, uh, funneled uh, afterwards. So we did right. not... Uh, uh, pulled them out with an offer. We did not uh, approach them. So a lot of lags, a lot of learning during, uh, during the road. And at some points and at some areas, we were way better than others. I think we, we grow maybe, if I just look, look back now, we were three unexperienced founders, okay. unexperienced in, in, in the sense of not the hustling, the grinding, never give up because we, we, we did it a couple of times, but at some point it immediately took off and we were in a bubble and it overcame us a bit. And yeah. before we realized it in 18 months, we were at 6 million or close to 6 million run rate. And then we reached the plateau on different areas on certain levels and we were stuck. We were making so much profit at that time point as we had quite a small team um also an experience all the people we had at that time point were uh, well willing to work hard they fit really really good in a startup environment they were all quite young and we had actually included ourselves nobody in the team who was uh, uh who worked the talk before who worked in another fast-growing SaaS company and who could build out processes and things so to be honest i think at, at, in the summer of 2021 we received so much engagement. After that came that plateau. LinkedIn made a lot of changes. So we needed to adjust the tool. And I was personally, for example, stuck. I were kind of depressive. I did not know how to move forward with the company. And everything from the outside looked so cool and so really, really well. But I really yeah, needed to unlock myself. And what I 
what I, I, I did actually a step back and I thought, okay, I can give up because that, that sometimes I thought, ah, it, it, it becomes too difficult and you think about such kind of things. But I also understood I have actually a golden egg here. And the only thing I need to do is to bring it to, to the next stage. And if I'm looking in the mirror, then I found it out about myself that I'm more early stage startup founder. I like to hustle, to grind. I'm more a growth marketer. I don't like to build out processes. I can't manage people. Uh, um, but I'm good at a couple of things. Let's be the brand ambassador. I can attract and bring the right people together. I have the right marketing vision, what, what, how to move forward with the product, but that are actually all skills which are good in the early days. And you can leverage in the early days. And right. at some point, if you reach a 5 million run rate and you want to grow to 20, then yeah, you need to build out the processes, a system, set up a KPIs. And actually, and exactly that were all things I had no clue how to do. So maybe therefore I... I stuck and I felt unlucky and I uh, uh, thought about uh, quitting sometimes, but I did a step back in the summer of 2021 and I thought, let's make a target list of, let's say 25 people, 15 Dutch successful SaaS founders who were ahead of me or sold their companies or uh, at least succeed. And maybe 10 directors of, of uh, Dutch uh, VCs. Um, to just share my story and ask a feedback. What, what, what should they recommend? How, how can they help me? Can they bring me in contact with people who can help me? And by sharing that story, if, uh, yeah, I think uh, 25 times, and I planned all these calls <laughs> in one month. So I spent the whole month to do these calls dedicated, speak to all these guys. And they all came back with, uh, with just one thing. Well, just go hire people. Go hire people. That's the only thing you need to do. Go hire people. Yeah. And Delicate. actually, that, yeah, that, that really helped me to unlock myself and also my, to yeah, take co-founders with me and design ideas and what we could do. And out of these conversations, um, we came in contact with, uh, with uh, Hester, a woman who is still working with us very successfully on the HR side. She helped us as a founder to push us, to think about things we need to think about. Um, and she helped us to map out the, what's actually going on in the company in terms of the colleagues we have, what are the legs, what's the level of knowledge, uh, where we should focus on, uh, think about company culture, uh, what uh, a company values uh, we should have before we start hiring and mess up all these things. So she forced us literally to think about all these things, and I got a lot of headaches from, from it, I remember it, but that that that's all happened in, in 2022, so last year. And uh, now we are close to round up the, the last team lead hire we wanted to do. Um, and we built out a really, really strong foundation right now. We changed to reliable systems like a HubSpot on the success and the marketing and the sales side. Uh, we brought in experienced international A players who walked the talk before they are currently building out a team. So it really feels like we did the right things. We're investing a lot in, in building out that function. Two weeks ago, we, we had our first, uh, sorry, three weeks ago, our first company retreat ever in Barcelona. And it was so oh, wow. cool to see everyone for the first time ever in person as mainly our colleagues working remote from different countries uh, across Europe. So yeah, it, it really made a positive impact. And uh, also a lot of motivation to to uh, yeah, to push this forward, even with 
all the difficulties I faced and still face as a founder of such a fast-growing company, and especially with everybody who wants something from you. And uh, um, but it, it gives me a lot of trust at the moment with great people in the team. Makes also my life a bit easier. They are more knowledgeable, way more knowledgeable than than I am on all these uh, topics. So feels like you you just told the whole story. Uh, it was just uh... <laughs> <laughs> that, that was not planned, uh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a, uh, that that's great. But I have a lot of questions, honestly. Yeah. Uh, as, as you were talking, and uh, the first, uh, let's go back a little bit to when you were talking about onboarding and uh, doing the calls with your customers and explaining them how the tool works. And uh, when you started talking about the way that it, it's maybe a bit complicated right now. Uh, so, and as, as far as I see, uh, everyone is kind of trying to fall a little bit more on the vertical size of things to be very niche, to just make sure they use a tool that helps them in their particular case. So have you ever had maybe requests to, um, to make it simpler, that maybe it's too difficult to operate? And how do you deal with that? How do you basically make sure that tools that are built are the tools that are needed, not just, like you said, nice to have? Yeah, and uh, I, this is quite an interesting question, as we'll uh, break down it fully transparent as, as, as how it was. Um, we came here up until seven months ago. We did not even have a product manager and a product team. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's maybe quite an interesting thing to start with. Um, aside of that, on our self-service side, which is our biggest revenue stream, we never actually had kind of a really proper onboarding. We never tried, aside of that, to upsell people to an annual subscription or divide our product with a different price strategy, which we, by the way, working on right now. But at that time point, we, we did not even have it. So we gained so many new customers that we were never focused on retaining them. Uh, we did our best with providing hacks, IDs, strategies, but we never funneled that on the success and on the support side really well. And I think it's due to a lack of knowledge and experience from ourselves but also from people in the team and at some point we felt the pain as we saw we reached some plateau also in bringing in new customers and then we faced oh maybe maybe we have a way to high churn we need to really retain these people we need to do things better there and then we started to think about it and that actually just happened last year um so we brought in an experienced product manager and he, for example, since September, he started to work with Amplitude to just track and analyze based on data and use a data different approach to make a future decision. So in the beginning of January, he did a presentation about all the lags and what's not used in the software, what people love, what they do not love, and not based on assumptions or emotions from me or from my co-founder, Glenn. So I think that was quite an interesting starting point and gave me a lot of trust. Whoa, this is actually a, a whole different approach. I could not even think about it myself, but it's actually how all reliable companies are doing it, right? Um, so I think yeah, that's sort of the first thing. Um, we are at the moment focused uh, on retaining because if we can retain more customers and extend the lifetime value and reduce the churn a bit, we can double our growth within a year, for example, if we 
uh, if, if we can decrease that half. So as a next step, we needed to level up on the support and the success side. So we bring in an, an experienced uh, head of customer success. We hired uh, the guy and he will start uh, uh, next month. And I aim as a co the, the, the product became complex. Uh, you can use it for different purposes. Uh, we have an online help center. We have an uh, academy, but people are still need support to share their challenges, to have a first point of contact with. And I think in an ideal situation, as we're managing so many customers, we should that do within not reactive, what we're doing right now, mm -hmm. but proactive, which means that people are coming in right now if they have a problem, but we can also think about ways how we can detect that or how we can prevent that. Let's say if we have a new customer and they are in a trial period, then based on the actions they do, our customer success team should, or our onboarding team should receive notifications. Hey, this customer, Anna, she signed up two days ago, but she did not launch a campaign or she did not retrieve the search. Let's proactively engage with Anna to see how we can help her or create a loom. Hey, Anna, it's cool, super cool. It's Stefan here. Welcome to our expanding family. And I have a super cool trick how you can start your first campaign super, super fast and get the best results out of it. That's actually how it should be in an ideal situation. That's my vision from a founder perspective. And of course, in practice with so many customers and uh, tight timeframes, it's always a more challenging, but Kostadin, uh, the new guy, he aligned with this vision and he aim to build out this function so that we uh, uh, can drastically do a better job on retaining customers, extending lifetime value, and really focus on it to make it better. Right. So the proactivity is, is on the, uh, on your plans, right? But uh, it's, well, still, you know, reactivity is also important. A lot of, a lot of tools die because they're not even reactive, right? They, they don't even uh, work with whatever customers are given them right here right now so the second question um uh, also a little bit about the product but also about the fact that that you offer a uh, service and uh, this is something i saw on twitter today uh it's a very interesting conversation uh about um, the idea of keeping the product uh, cheap so the platform is cheap uh, so any, anything you can do there, like all the basic stuff, uh, is, can be very, very cheap, but what you add there, right? The services that you add, the actual people hours should be more expensive. What do you think about that? And what is your strategy, the price strategy behind the product and the service? Yeah, we, uh, up until now, we, we are running on one default price. By the way, we have a two revenue streams. That's the self-service side. And uh, we have a reseller site that's mainly for agency owners who are providing mostly of the times a recruitment service, a managed service, or an, uh, a lead gen done for you service. And they're managing a bunch of accounts. They do that in Expandly to execute the job to bring in the results for their customers. On the self-service side, we have one default price. And on the um, reseller side, they pay an amount per account as well. Um, but in the meantime, we brought in so many features. Um, we will build out new MVPs to uh, build kind of an ecosystem with products around LinkedIn. 
which we can uh, speak about uh, in a bit. Um, so we never had actually opportunity to upsell to people. We only could sell them more seats. And uh, we, yeah, so we are now, actually this afternoon, we have a, um, a pricing strategy call with uh, the pedal team uh, to see how we can build out a way better function there and how we can leverage pricing. As I was last week at uh, SaaS Talk Local in Amsterdam and uh, Patrick, he did a great presentation about how much money you can make with just increasing your price or thinking about it as a from a strategy perspective. So I thought we're leaving really a lot of money on the table here. And yeah, that's sort of what we're going to change. So yeah, it, it's on the roadmap and we're addressing it. And um, that things are always not going that fast as you want, as it needs also technical implementations. And uh, mostly of the times we first need to feel sort of a pain before we really feel and realize, okay, it's, Oh yeah, it really hurts us. We need to do something with it, and we lost the money about it, with it, or we made an, making a wrong decision. So yeah. maybe that's also part of a bootstrap journey, as we can't experiment a lot with. with we, we can't overspend, as we need to stay profitable and lean, and t t try a small amount of different things. And then the third thing, it need to be a home run, right? Otherwise, it's it's, right. it's not exceed. So it's it's. Yeah, a bit of a different operations, I think, in, in comparing to a funded company who can just pull out 100% of their revenue and put it into marketing to just grow. And yeah, that, that makes things sometimes challenging. And on the other hand, it's also became kind of a mentality and second nature to always try to do things differently out of the box with a total different approach than uh, everybody else is doing. And that sometimes works as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, running a rapidly growing startup is like, I don't know, trying to, uh, trying to fix your leaky pipes with a piece of gum. That That's always, <laughs> it's always a challenge, always kind of like, oh my God, it's leaking again. Uh, but um, I love the approach and let's talk a little bit more about bootstrapping. So you started growing super rapidly after what six months you you reached one million ARR, uh, or should I say I shouldn't say ARR after six months, but still. Um, so, what made you want to stay bootstrapped? Why not go to VCs, all the Dutch VCs that you were talking about, and say, guys, we're we're growing so fast, you know, get a piece of that, and we will uh, you know, kickstart it to to the moon. Yeah, it's it's also. I think a couple of 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 things we need to take in consideration here. Um, first of all, we were in the beginning not even realizing it or comparing ourselves with other companies, as I had uh, a less contact with other SaaS founders um, about how we perform. So I think we were actually not even aware. Of course, we are realizing, oh, this uh, it, it never stops. This this, this growth, <laughs> oh, it, it, it feels like because it, 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 every month it was growing, 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 growing. So I think we, we were just in our own bubble and not realizing it up until the moment that somebody asked me, how, how are you doing with Expandia? And I shared these numbers and the story and they did not believe me. No, it's not true. It's not true. It can't be possible. 
You're from the Netherlands, you're Butch Sweat. Yeah, yeah, here you can see our stripe. You did it. Okay, okay. And then some people told me it's actually quite an inspiring story. You should actually share it with just to inspire other founders about that you started another company and that that one did not took off, but that you got an idea out of it to start this uh, adventure. And what you actually did to th that it succeed. So we wrote kind of a success story where how we reached in, in 14 months, I don't know, 4 million, some, some, something like that. And uh, after doing that, we received so many people who wanted something from us and it gave also a lot of opportunities to speak and share my story in podcasts. But I also got approached tons and tons of time by, by VCs, by private equities, by people who want to do a merger and acquisition. And we felt kind of honored um, for the interest. And, and, and in the beginning, I was taking some calls and, and I was actually not even aware. I did not know anything, literally not anything about the VC world, about investment. I had not even a clue. What was, for example, in secondary investment? I did not know anything. So I think these things combined, before you start realizing what you actually want and what for things are changing, what are the options, how such a corporation look like, they were all sharing the same stories or we are proactively help. And it was all the same. So nobody was yeah. kind of a different shade. It makes it quite hard. But aside of that, I in relationships. And uh, I see, for example, your colleague, uh, Derek, uh, yeah. actually on, on, on different events. And every time if I see him, we have nice conversations. Um, but yeah, up until now, I think it felt like, okay, we reached the plateau. And we wanted to challenge ourselves first and foremost as a founder. Okay, we first... No matter what we do, we first going to reach that 10 million, that magical 10 million run rate as a bootstrap company, no matter what. We need to show that we can overcome problems and that need that not immediately at the first attempt or first difficulty, we uh, hold our hands or we need the money, we can solve it. So that's first what we want to do. And we, of course, know that a lot of things uh, need to be addressed and level up in our company. And that's what we're working on right now to improving all these things so that we um, have a smooth and reliable operating company before we start thinking about cooperating with with uh, with, uh, with a company like that. Anybody, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> anybody, yeah. Right, so what's, uh, what's the future for Expandy? And um, as you were not building it to to go to VCs, I would assume that you were not building it with an exit in mind. So uh, were you building it to run it for, for 10, 15 years and then step <coughs> aside? Or uh, is it um, kind of a Tablio Tweet Hunter kind of story where they knew that they're going to sell it eventually? And once they, they found the partner that, that was uh, feasible, they just went for it. Um, yeah, this everyone and everything in our company is focused on, on reaching that magical milestone first. Um, on the other hand, I also think that 
at some point we need to at least de-risk uh, some things to secure the lives of our families as a founder. We lately started to create an equity pool and put to attract a better colleagues, but also to reward some impressive colleagues uh, for what they did or what they are going to do in our company. And one year ago, I did not even know that an equity pool exists, for example. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just learning by doing and yeah. we level up day by day, but we are addressing these things, we're working on it. And I realized actually in Barcelona that um, I have no clue how we did it as a three simple founders, but the magic and the engagement and the positive vibe we created in this remote company, which make it even more challenging, felt really so good that it feels really hard to leave that on the other hand. Because it's more than a family and everybody who's joining right now, they really believe that we can uh, hit a home run to maybe a 30 or 40 million. So, but for me, it's, it's like a marathon. We came from scratch. I came from other startups with a lot of failures. They were not succeed. So they come in fresh now with fulls of energy and they see the bigger picture. And for me, it's already a marathon from a couple of years, right? So it's, it's sometimes a bit of a harder to, to see that happening as well. Um, right. But if you see how big the market is on LinkedIn, that there are not that many reliable tools with a product focused on LinkedIn, a couple of tools with some touch points, but it's not that. A lot of tools in the sales enablement space, they are mainly email and they try to add as much as possible prompts towards their tooling. Uh, and I believe in the opposite. Um, all to Everybody has his opinion about LinkedIn and, and you can have your opinion about what we do, but in my believing, we are not abusing their two main problems. People have no clue how to use the platform LinkedIn to get a result, so actually education, and on the other hand, spam. You can say whatever you want about what we do, have your opinion about it, but we are not abusing these two things. We're actually helping people to educate how to use the platform, how to get a better result, and we are not allowing people to spam. But in my visionary believing is that we built out an ecosystem with a tool set around expanding that no matter how you or your company is using or leveraging LinkedIn, if it's not for outreach, it's okay. But at some point, you or your colleagues need to go to LinkedIn because you need to find people and it's the best resource. And if you need to find people, you will scrape them and after you scrape them you will enrich them and after you enrich them you start using them to retarget or to use for email outreach that's okay so that's one purpose the second purpose is as linkedin is changing rapidly they all want us to become a part of their creator economy uh, which means that we need to find ways to help people to create a better content for example, what Taplio is doing. We are working, by the way, on a sort of same solution in our expandi that helps people create content, that helps people to publish it, to schedule it, to boost it. And after you create a lot of engagement, then start the point, okay, I want to leverage all the people who engage with my content, put them in a campaign and outreach these people. On the other hand, still 60% of LinkedIn's income is coming 
through advertisements. So how could we, as a SaaS company who's building out a tool set on LinkedIn, leverage that advertisement part? Maybe we can build out a library with all the ads uh, ever published to help people create a better ads or to make a better decision on which one is performing good. So that are directions we are thinking about. So we are staying on LinkedIn. We are not leaving no matter what. We will come back each and every time if they try to fight, try to change things. And we are actually just helping them to make their users way smarter and leverage the platform better. What's my believing in how this niche will evaluate in the near future? I expect as LinkedIn fills four times with automating their own sales navigator with own teams, that at some point they start to incorporate with some big ballers in the industry, let's say, I have some, some news that, that the tools like Microsoft Excel, but also HubSpot, ClickFunnels, but also the board of sales loft, they're investigating and uh, spending a bit more attention in this niche to maybe do a future acquisition. And my expectation is that they will, after that, start incorporate directly uh, with LinkedIn as it makes uh, way more sense. I don't expect LinkedIn will, for example, cooperate with a third party app like Expandio or one of our competitors. I don't think that will happen, but indirectly it, it, it makes a bit of a more uh, a sense for uh, the future. And then I'm talking about for four years, something like that. Right. Makes sense. Okay. So just a couple more questions. Uh, the first one is uh, that I ask of everybody, uh, what's the biggest win and the biggest failure so far for Expandy? Or maybe for you as a founder? Um, at the moment, um, after I stuck and I felt kind of depressive and had no clue how to move forward with the company, to bring in really experienced people that gave me so much freedom, more trust that we will accomplish the things we were fighting and struggling with. Uh, so I'm full focus on finding and bringing in a lot of talent to just build out an even more greater team. And um, on the other hand, we also had a lot of learning. And uh, the most recent one is that uh, we unfortunately <clears throat> um, made a decision in the early days to serve the reseller revenue stream on a way that we did that with afterwards invoicing on a manually based through Stripe. And uh, because they, their amount of seats on a monthly base, they fluctuating and changing each and every month. But each and every SaaS company is, is invoicing upfront. And if you're not paying within one day, your access to the portal will be closed. And we never did that. And that causes, um, there's a lot of problems and challenges, and we lost more than half a million oh, euros wow. during that road from customers who are not paying, from agencies who did not pay the first month. We were not fully focused on it, the second, the third, and the fourth month. And then at some point, they own us 50K and they will never pay it, and they just move to another provider. And then it seems quite hard online to get your money back. And maybe that's the hardest lesson um, I learned because I was always full of trust in people. Um, I, I, he will pay next month and I spoke to him yesterday and he promised that he will pay. And uh, Yeah, it hurted me a lot on the emotional side. 
and yeah. it was quite confrontating. And the result was that we, yeah, it, it's a serious amount of money we we lost there due to not focus on it, due to, uh, um, yeah, making an inexperienced decision in 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 the beginning of our day. So that are things we, yeah, we rapidly changing currently, but cost us a lot of effort, pain, headaches, and also money, which we could, yeah, spend way better than leaving it on the table right now. Right. Okay. Well, well. That's a, that's a very valuable lesson. Uh, very pricey, but very valuable. Yeah, very pricey. Exactly <laughs> that. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. And um, one more question. Uh, you, yeah, you mentioned that at first you were kind of in a bubble, not really uh, looking at other companies or other founders, how they were doing things. So uh, you're no longer in a bubble. You are the face of the company. You are everywhere on every podcast out there. So who inspires you? What is the founder or maybe the company that inspires you to move forward and to, to be, uh, to, to still grow your personal brand? Lately, or since one year, I engage a lot with the SaaS stock founder community from, from Alex Thelma. I respect him a lot. And that community and these kind of a peer groups to founders in sort of the same stage, but all with their own difficulties and challenges, that really helps me a lot. I do that on a weekly basis, engage with different founders. I always try to share value, but also gather knowledge on how we can solve our own challenges. So I should say uh, Alex uh, Thoma, in, in, in this case, a founder from uh, Sandstock. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. yeah, I completely understand you. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. It was a very inspiring story. Lots of great insights and, and lessons. Enjoyed to be here. And, and thanks. Uh, for the, I really look forward to the moment you publish it and keep going with, uh, with, your, with your great shows here. Thank you so much. All right. And take care. You All too. the best. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.